Welcome to the Baking with House of Bread podcast. In this episode, we talk sourdough starters, how to start one, take care of it, and know when you may have killed it. Although they are harder to kill than you think, just when you think one's dead and you're about to give up on it, you start feeding it and it comes back around. For whatever reason, I used to freak out when the bakers forgot to feed or stir the sourdough starter. I was so afraid it would die if it got neglected even for one day. So I named my sourdough starter. I named him Sam in order to personalize the sourdough starter to the bakers. I figured if they thought of it more as a pet or a friend, um, they wouldn't neglect Sam. Now, I originally got my first sourdough starter from a bakery in Boston, and that was in 1996. It was the consultant I had hired to start House of Bread. She had a bakery in Boston called Boston Daily Bread. So she brought her sourdough starter with her on the plane. And I used that same sourdough starter for about four years. And then my baker used it all. I'm not kidding. (laughs) I remember him coming up to me and saying, hey, got any more sourdough starter? And I, I was just like looked at him and I couldn't believe it. He used the entire sourdough starter. I mean, he had had more of a background in cooking than baking, so he didn't really understand that you just can't order more sourdough or immediately whip some up. I've learned to take responsibility for the mistakes of my new staff members as my responsibility for not training them enough. Because otherwise, you just get frustrated or you get kind of angry at them, and then they get in a bad mood, then they treat their coworkers poorly, or worse yet, they treat the customers not as good as they should. So in business as in life, it's important to have good positive culture that allows more productivity and quite frankly, it's just a lot more fun. At the same time, you have to get rid of staff that consistently make mistakes. And in that particular baker's case, that used all the starter. I ended up letting him go because he was smoking pot at work. So I wonder if throwing out the starter was more of a stony move too. So anyway, we ended up having to make our own sourdough starter. And I remember telling people that came in that week for their sourdough that I had no sourdough because my baker used it all. And most people just thought that was kind of funny, but I did not. At any rate, I thought you had to use really old sourdough starters to get that sour flavor and right texture in the bread. You know, you hear people bragging about how old their sourdough starter and it's like, oh, it's 20 years old or it came over from here. And really, the funny thing is, is that to get the loaf more sour, it's more in the process. It's not necessarily the sourdough starter itself. And to think of it this way, doughs don't really have egos like people do. And as long as the starter is active enough, the dough will react and it doesn't care how old the starter is that was used in the dough. And today, it's much easier to find an existing sourdough starter by asking a friend who is a sourdough baker, because they got to pour some out of it out during the feeding stage anyway. So it's not like you're asking them for a big favor. You're probably doing them a favor by taking the discard. You can also sometimes buy starter from your local bakery. We sell ours at House of Bread, and I sell it for the price of a cup of coffee. So we put it in the cup of coffee, and I give them the lid and send them home. And it's not exactly a big money maker for me, but I'm happy to get people started baking bread. And I know that kind of sounds like it might be counterproductive for a bread baker owner to assist people with their home baking. But in reality, I believe it's really good for business. People baking at home get used to the great flavor of homemade breads, and they're not going to return to buying bread in the grocery store. 
So if you live close to a commercial bakery, I'd ask them and hopefully they will let you buy of their sourdough starter. If not, it's pretty easy to start your own. And I would plan on a week to 10 day buildup. Your starter may be ready to go in less time, but I kind of doubt it. And, but there is ways to tell. And so you can just like take a spoonful of the starter and drop it in a clear jar of water. And if it floats, you're set to naturally leaven your first loaf of sourdough. You can also tell if it smells kind of sourish. And if you see like bubbles in activity, especially if you feed it and then it doubles in size within eight hours, then you know it's raring to go. And I wouldn't think it, overthink it too much. If you follow the steps and try making your loaf of sourdough, chances are it will be fine. And I recommend starting your starter with a cup of whole wheat flour. You can also use a whole rye flour and a whole rye flour is actually pumpernickel. And I discuss flours a lot more so in episode one. So rye flour is naturally rich in nutrients and microbes. And this cereal flour enables the starter to quickly convert sugars for faster, more efficient fermentation. Compared to whole wheat flour, rye flour is said to be the most nutrient dense option for sourdough starter. Overall, it has a lower gluten or protein content than wheat flour, which means it produces slack, sticky, or kind of, kind of more dense doughs. So I like the whole wheat flour to start. And then after you, when you begin feeding your sourdough starter, then I recommend a white bread flour. So I start with whole grains because it's minimally processed when you compare it to with white flours, and it's packed with nutrients and potential microbes, providing faster fermentation for a starter. So basically, there's just more to eat in the whole grain. On the other hand, if you, when you're including the hard bran and the wheat germ, that's part of the wheat berry, right? That can inhibit gluten development. The tiny bits of bran and wheat germ are sharp and act like razor blades, which potentially can cut into the bonds formed in a gluten matrix, which basically impedes the gluten development, means your bread not rise as high, retain its shape, because it's really not effectively trapping the gases. So if you think of it this way, is your dough when it's rising or fermenting, and same with your starter, it's emitting carbon dioxide. And the gluten development allows the mixture to trap those air bubbles. And that's why when you when you slice open a loaf of bread and you'll see those air bubbles, it's because of the gluten matrix that trap that gases and then it gives the dough some good height. Okay, your bran, it's also high in fiber, which makes whole wheat flour more water absorbent, absorbent than processed white flour. But basically that results in a stiffer bread dough. So this is why I suggest you start with a whole wheat or or a coarse rye flour, and then just add bread flour to it whenever you feed it. And bread flour has a higher protein content, somewhere between 12 and 14%. And basically the greater the gluten potential means increased capacity to withstand the expansion of those carbon dioxide as your starter matures. It essentially basically just traps the gas more easily. Now, if you are out of bread flour and you have all-purpose flour, just use that. I mean, it's still going to create a starter. It just might take a little bit more time. And the only flour to avoid is bleach flour, which I suggest you always avoid anyway. But the reason is the bleaching process removes the natural flora that's contained in the wheat. And all starters behave a bit differently depending on where you live. But starter cultures around the world are closely related and many of them having the same dominant strains of yeast and bacteria. 
I mean, a starter is just a mixture of flour and water set to ferment. And the fermentation happens naturally. And after regular successive feedings, bacteria that produce lactic and acidic acid, along with wild yeast, establish themselves as fermenting agents in a symbiotic relationship. And I can tell you that you mean, you've got, you know, there's good bacteria, right? And you have it on your hands. It's on the wheat flour. I mean, it's in the air to a certain extent. And I'm not going to go into all the scientific technical terms because I, I think it kind of intimidates people. And honestly, the dough doesn't care if you can name the various bacteria in the starter. I remember I had a, a, a manager who was uh, also my baker at times. But anyway, she, she was a phenomenal person. And she had a science degree from Cal Poly. And so she was teaching the baking classes. And I heard her teaching the sourdough baking class. And she's going into all these hard-to-pronounce names for the bacteria in the starter. And I looked over at people's faces and they were just kind of like, huh? It was really a bit over their heads. And it's not necessary to know how, what the bacteria names are to make the bread. I mean, she met well, but it was sort of strutting her knowledge without benefiting the students. And for whatever reason, there are some large egos involved in baking and in particular in the world of sourdough. And there really are very few absolutes in baking. And just because like the YouTube guy says you have to do it this way, or if the starter doesn't look like this, you, you know, it's, it, you got to throw it out. And if you can't neglect it for a day, otherwise it's going to go bad. And you have to have this type of lid or this type of container. Anyway, it's really all not true. And I don't know why people come up with such absolutes in baking and especially in sourdoughs. But I can tell you that if you look at this way, starters have been around for centuries. I mean, way before electricity and before we had glass mason jars. And so, you know, and by the way, all starters are different. Even the same starter will look differently as it matures. And, but once it's fully mature, it will start to change less on you. But expect in the beginning for it to be fickle and hard to figure out exactly what to do with it. <laughs> and I promise you with a little patience, you'll get to know your starter and you'll know if it needs to be fed, if it needs to be just stirred or put out at room temperature or maybe go in the refrigerator. Okay, so let's start with the hydration level. So I prefer the 100% hydration starters, which means basically the cultures made up of equal parts flour and water in weight. Okay, not volume. So most recipes in the United States assume your starter is close to 100% hydration. They are also easier to mix into the doughs and easier to maintain. Although wetter starters eat through their supply of starches faster, so they require more frequent feedings and attention. And keep in mind that starters can range from more liquid consistency of 100% to considerable stiffer at like a 50% hydration. I mean, both will work in recipes. And you don't really need to worry about it if, if you're using exactly 100% hydration because if it's a little bit runnier sourdough starter, it'll produce a little bit more wetter dough, which means you just add a little bit of flour to it. And conversely, if it's a little bit more stiffer, then you might have to add some water to it. I mean, the key really is to get to know how your dough should feel, not the exact hydration level of your sourdough starter. Okay, ingredients. So start with one cup or four ounces of whole wheat flour, 
And I prefer stone ground bread flour. And if you want to know the details why, you can go back to episode one. But again, if all you have is all-purpose flour, that will work fine. It just take a little bit longer. Okay, and a half a cup of warm water, and this is more about 80 degrees. And so when you're when you're actually making the dough, I recommend more about 100 degrees. So 80 degrees, if you think of it this way, it's kind of more like a swimming pool water rather than like hot tub water is about 100 degrees. And tap, good old tap water is just fine. I'm not a fan of spending money unnecessarily or using more plastic with bottled water. However, if you suspect you have a highly chlorinated water, then just leave it out overnight uncovered and the chlorine will dissipate. Even if you end up using a, a more chlorinated water, the starter is still going to start. It just might take a little bit longer. Okay, so you mix the above in a container. And at the bakery, we use a five-gallon plastic bucket. I mean, that's what our honey comes in, so it's, it's pretty convenient. But at home, I would recommend just getting a one-quart, you know, big enough glass jar. And the reason why is because you can see the activity better. And you can get those glass jars. It, it's really used for canning, so they're pretty ubiquitous. I mean, get them at grocery stores, and you certainly can get them online or at kitchen shops, too. But you don't need to. Usually at the grocery stores, they have them, and they're only a couple bucks. But if you don't have them and you don't want to buy them, then just use any non-reactive container. So glass, stainless steel, food-grade plastic, they're all going to work fine. I would not recommend a bowl that will react to the sourdough's acidity, such as a cast iron or an uncoated aluminum. Just make sure whatever you use that is clean and not bleached rinse. You don't want to, you don't want to invite strange bacteria to sourdough starters. That's why you want to clean it. Same time is you don't want to kill everything with bleach because there could be some residue of bleach left on the jar or the bowl and you don't want to affect that your starter with that. So you want to aim to keep your starter at about 65 to 75 degrees. So think of just pretty much that's what your house is more than likely. And if your environment is a little colder, you might want to start with warmer water or if it's a little bit hotter environment, then just start with some cooler water. So after the initial mix, you're going to have to feed your sourdough starter. And I recommend feeding it with unbleached white flour again. But if all of you have is pastry flour, then use all-purpose flour. Now, I've also heard people using half wheat and half white flour when they're feeding it. And you're welcome to do that. You're going to get a little bit of a different characteristic of a loaf. So, but for at House of Bread, we just feed it unbleached bread flour. Okay, so the initial mix. So you take your one cup of whole wheat flour and in a clean one quart jar, add a half a half a cup or four ounces of slightly warm tap water. And if you notice that they're the same weight of four ounces, but not the volume, right? Okay, so you just stir well until the flour is moistened and the dough resembles a thick paste. Cover loosely with a lid, or you can use a plastic wrap too, and you set it out at room temperature for a day, like 24 hours. Okay, so now on day two, you're not going to really notice a whole lot of difference. And if you keep staring at it, it doesn't change a whole lot. <laughs> so you'll need to feed it again to encourage growth. So take out about a third of the mixture and add a cup of bread flour along with a half a cup of tap water. Stir well until all ingredients are combined. 
cover again loosely and set out at room temperature for another day. Okay, so how you stir it, I mean, at the bakery, what I tell my bakers basically is to use your hands. And so, because we got a five gallon bucket, sometimes it goes up to your elbow. And the reason I want them to use their hands, I mean, there's some natural bacteria on your hands always, but I, I'm paranoid that they're going to use a utensil with bleach on it because we do rinse all the dishes at the bakery with a bleach water. But you don't have to, I mean, you can use a spatula. So whatever you're comfortable with. But I, I will tell you that I'm a big fan of using your hands because I really think you can get a feel for the starter or the dough. And honestly, it's your best tool. Okay, day three, you should start to notice some activity in your starter. Uh, it looks kind of bubbly and it'll probably have risen some. It will, if you smell it, it's going to have kind of a, like a, a slightly tangy aroma. Now you'll feed the starter twice a day. It's best to arrange the times to conveniently work with your schedule and try to keep them evenly spaced out as possible. 12 hours is the goal, but it doesn't have to be exact, okay? So just think of feeding it in the morning and again at night. And to feed the starter, give it a couple of good stirs to release any of the bubbles and take out about a half of the starter and add one cup or four ounces of the bread flour or all purpose, that's all you have, and half a cup or four ounces of warm tap water. You stir well to combine all the ingredients, making sure all the dry flour has been incorporated and the starter is well mixed. So cover again loosely with the lid, set out at room temperature and repeat the process 12 hours later and every 12 hours for the next three days. So it's the same process. So you're gonna know some activity in your starter. It will vary between feedings over the next three days. It should look bubbly and perhaps foamy before each feeding. By day five or Day six, it's going to be about double in size and start to smell like a real sourdough starter. It may even be strong enough to use for your first loaf of bread. And so once again, how you tell, it basically should double in size between feedings and the bubbles with how have a, like a, a stronger, it's a pleasant aroma though. And once again, you can drop that spoonful starter into some uh, bowl with warm water. And if it floats, you're good to go, leaven some bread. If it doesn't, then continue feeding it twice a day for another day or two. Maintenance or, and storage of your starter. To lid or not? I mean, I recommend a cloth lid for the starter, although I know bakers that put a very tight lid on it and it still works. I like for the starter to be able to breathe, is my reasoning, because I named mine, right? So I think of it as a human being. But in all seriousness, I've come to realize that sourdough starters are like humans. They go to work best when it's not too cold out, it's not too hot, they emit carbon dioxide, they like to eat sugars, and they produce lactic acid from a good workout. They also can smell like alcohol and need to recover by good feeding. A little rest helps too, before they can be strong enough to do their job, which in the case of a starter is to leaven your bread. The key thing about storage is I would put it on in something that's easy to clean because if you misjudge the activity level of your starter, it's going to spill all over and it really isn't that big of a deal. But I can tell you how many times I've had to clean up sourdough on the floor after it pushed up over the cloth and ran out, ran down the sides of the bucket, down on the shelf we put it on and then onto the floor. It's really not that easy to clean. It's kind of a thick, sticky liquid. The only thing I've cleaned that's worse than cleaning up sourdough starter is spilled honey. Okay, when to feed it. 
Okay, so as the active microbes eat up available sugars in the starter, those sugars will run out. At that point, it's essential to feed or refresh the starter with more flour to provide more sugar to drive the fermentation. It's advisable to feed a starter when it reaches its peak, the maximum height it'll reach in its container, which is usually about double or triple the original volume. I mean, you can kind of track this increase in volume by marking it with a marker on the side of your jar, or you can also wrap rubber bands where it was so it give you an idea of how far it rose. The other way to tell is if it ran out of sugar, it turns more liquidy on top, and that's another sign that needs to be fed. So the peak indicates a balance between yeast activity and the strength of the starter to hold the mass together. The starter gets stronger with the feedings. And see, the reason you throw out part of it is the remaining portion becomes stronger because it doesn't have as much competition to, to compete with to eat the sugars. And carbon dioxide is what the starter emits, and that strong gluten in developed starters will trap the gases and give structure to the bread. This will allow the bread to hold together and allow for height in your bread. Okay, so, and you can tell that's going on in your starter starter because that's what's causing it to rise. It's able to trap that uh, carbon dioxide. Okay, so now you've got that mature starter. So when do you feed that? Well, if it starts to get runny or if it starts smelling like alcohol, it, okay, okay, so there's a pleasant sourness and then there's that alcohol smell. It's really an indication of excessive buildup of ethanol and acids as microbes exhaust all the available sugars. Finally, you can feed when your starter looks runny or tired or, it, you know, sometimes it just kind of looks hungry. And when in doubt, just feed it. And I always recommend feeding the day before you use the starter anyway, and then leave it out at room temperature overnight. I and mean, if you're a frequent baker and you're baking with your starter more than once a week, you can keep it at room temperature and feed it every time you just use it, right? So just replace the volume you used. And if it starts to act weird, pour some of out and feed it again. Okay, so if you're more of an occasional baker, so you bake you know, less than once a week, you will need to slow the starter's growth and the best way to do that is just put it in the refrigerator. And you can put a lid on it, or you don't have to, but I would put something, maybe a cloth or something on it. And that's really to protect, one, your refrigerator environment, and all the rest of your items in there might start smelling like a starter. Okay, so to prep your starter for cold storage, give it a regular feeding, and then it let it ripen at room temperature until you see some good activity in it. And that means, activity means you can see the bubbles. And that likely is going to take about three to four hours. And then put it in your refrigerator. And even if you're in a hurry, you don't have the three to four hours to wait. Just, you know, whatever, wait as long as you can and put it in the refrigerator. It's not a big deal if it goes right into the refrigerator too. It's just going to take a little bit of time to refresh it the next time. So you stir the starter about every two to three days and feed it weekly as instructed above making sure to let it ripen at room temperature before you refrigerate it again. A refrigerated starter should smell pleasant and sour and you'll see some bubbles on the surface. Okay, once again, you're not, you don't wanna see that watery liquid on the surface or that strong smell of alcohol or odor. If you do, just pour out half of it and, and start feeding it again. Keep in mind that if you forget about it for an entire week, it's still likely going to be okay. Just feed it. Now, let's say you forget about it for two weeks. It might still be good. Just once again, pour half of it out and feed it and see what happens. 
And I have seen all kinds of funky starters that came back to life. With time, you'll get to know your starter and the environments and temperature in which it will thrive the best. Okay, so now let's say you're going to go out of the country for a year. So what are you going to do with your starter? Well, you can actually freeze it. I have heard, I haven't done it, but I've heard of people pouring their starter on a cookie sheet and basically just drying it out and then freezing the sourdough chips. The sourdough came back to life after some feedings and at room temperature. Now I have seen those sourdough chips and that's really, you don't have to dry it out in the oven or anything because we've ended up spilling some on the shelf where we put our um, sourdough starter and it literally will dry out and then we, we can chip it away. And those chips are something that can come back to life on you. And I've had some of my franchisees call me with their sourdough is dead and uh, something's wrong with my sourdough. And okay, so, and then they throw it out. Okay, so really it wasn't active and it likely was just like taking a nap. So don't throw out your starter if you think it's bad. What I want you to do is feed it a couple times and 90% of the time they're going to come back to life. Because really what's going on, your new starter evolves. And one set of bacteria gradually gives way to another. And during that transition, your starter will take a rest. Just keep feeding it. With a few days, it should show renewed signs of life. If it still seems lifeless, then play with the liquidity of it. The starter should be like a thick pancake batter. If, if it's more liquid, like a, like a milk, then just add some flour. If it's a, the thin starters lack substance. And when it bubbles, they disappear into the air rather than stay in the mix. Okay, so if you got a dark liquid on top that smells like alcohol, because that's really what it is. See, wild yeast does exhibit alcohol, and that's all part of the process. You still can revive it. Now, if it has mold on it, let's say it's got mold on the sides or whatever, I would just basically remove the mold and transfer to a new container. I mean, it's kind of like cheese. Like the mold can be removed, the remaining cheese is still good to eat. And once again, chances are with some regular feeding, it'll be good to go. Okay, where I have seen a starter that was was basically dead. <laughs> it got it was like this um color of the sun. I mean, it was kind of like a bright, uh, like a sun that was setting, like a bright orange to it. And it didn't smell very good. And basically some weird bacteria got into it. I mean, if it's just on top, pour out the colored part and try feeding a few times. And chances are the good bacteria will triumph and you'll be fine. If it turns more orangish right away, right after feeding, then I'm afraid the bad guys won and the starado starter was murdered. So it's time to discard it and start again. Or really the best way to find out is to try making a loaf of bread. And if it does rise properly, then you know your starter was good. Okay, so do you have to throw away part of the starter when you're feeding it? Yes. Well, you don't have to throw it away, but you have to remove part of the starter. And the reason you're doing that is because you want the remaining starter in there to get stronger, right? And so if you don't remove it, it your sourdough starter can get still get stronger, but it takes longer. And really the problem also is, is you're going to have gallons of the stuff in your refrigerator so yes, I do recommend removing some starter, but you don't have to throw it away. You've got some options. I mean, first of all, you can give some excess starter to a friend to start his or her own starter. 
or you can turn it into something yummy. There are many delicious ways to use it, and I'm including my favorite of sourdough pancakes in the show notes. And if you look on the internet, there's a ton also for everything from biscuits um, to yeah, taco shells. I've seen it, flatbreads. Yeah, so it's still good stuff, and hopefully you can find some use for it. Okay, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the next episode, I'll be covering how to make sourdough bread. Okay, until then, everybody, happy baking.